Good morning. Today we'll be in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and the second chapter. Will you open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 2? We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7 as we begin this new uh, sermon series uh, that's entitled 2020 Vision. 2020 Vision. My hope is through this series uh, that we could take a look at what God's uh, calling the church to be. And specifically, maybe what, what it's calling us here at Cornerstone to be. Uh, so let's uh, look at this passage as we begin this series in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, please write these words. These are the words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand. And he walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And you found them false. You've persevered. You have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. But Jesus says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But you do have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray together. It's incredible, dear God, that we're able to stand and sit and kneel and come before your presence in prayer. It's incredible that you speak to us through your word. It's incredible as your Holy Spirit moves in this place. You are God. And as your people, we approach with humble hearts asking that you will speak boldly, guide and lead as we study your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of my professors in college once said, Revelation is best when it's listened to with your eyes closed. John uses such brilliant symbols and metaphors. I mean, look at how Jesus describes, or John describes Jesus. He holds the stars in his hands and he moves among the lampstands. And we get later on, 
in the section, because John specifically says that Jesus is going to take the lampstand away, that the lampstand represents the church. The stars represent the church. That Jesus has the church in his hand. That Jesus walks among the churches throughout the world. Earlier this week, I went to Ace Hardware to replace some bulbs for my security lights outside. And as I was replacing the bulb, I found that I couldn't completely turn and screw that bulb into the security light. I looked closer and I realized the, the piece of the mount had broken off a little bit and therefore it wasn't really holding that bulb in place, secure. I am the one who holds that lamp fixture in place. Come on. And I can choose if I'm going to fix that lamp or if I'm going to throw it out. The community in Ephesus was not producing light. I mean, on the exterior, they looked great, but internally, there was a problem that needed to be fixed or it was time for Jesus to throw it out. As the one who holds the church in his hand, he was warning the community to remember, to repent, and to do. Could you imagine if Jesus gave us this warning? How would you respond if Jesus warned to take the lampstand away from Cornerstone Christian Church? These last two years have been rough on us all. As I look around, I'm discouraged by the empty places where people I love used to sit. We've lost 30 people since COVID began in 2020. Some have moved, some have passed away, and others have begun worshiping elsewhere. But at the same time, I'm encouraged as I look around and see new faces and a growing excitement. And so I thought it would be a good time to do an audit here at Cornerstone Christian Church to introduce to the new folks the vision created years ago when we coined the phrase transforming minds and changing lives. And it's a good time for all of us who've been here since the beginning to refocus ourselves on this community and how God has called us to be a lampstand, a star here in Knoxville, Tennessee. During preparations for this sermon, I found striking resemblance to the church in Ephesus. And so I'm going to spend some time here to discuss those similarities and encourage us as a church to remember, to repent, and to do. So let's start first with this encouragement that Jesus gives the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was doctrinally secure. Jesus praises the community for holding fast to the teaching of the apostles, for calling out 
false teachers. He even names one of those false teachers and commends them for hating their practices. We don't know what those practices were. I wish we did. I wish that we had a good handle on exactly what those practices were so we as a church could say, no, we're going to hate them too. But I'm sure it had something to do with the mixing of Greco-Roman worship and the practice of Christianity. You see, Ephesus was a prominent city in those days. It was best known for one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, the goddess of fertility, the goddess of the hunt. It would be tempting for the first century Christian to mix the pagan teachings, the pagan practices of Ephesus with the Christianity that Jesus led us to understand, the teachings of the apostles. But the Ephesians persevered, we're told. They were even had to, it says, that they had to endure hardships because they held fast and true to the teachings of Jesus. Today's Western church faces a similar threat, specifically here in the United States. And I am proud to say that I believe Cornerstone is held and been led by the inspired word of God. Our Bible studies are driven by God's word. And when I preach, I strive to always use God's word as a platform for truth. Now, we're not perfect, but as Paul encouraged the young preacher, who, by the way, preached in Ephesus in 1 Timothy 2, he preached, keep reminding God's people of these things. He says, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And I believe that Paul knew that Timothy was to face this struggle in Ephesus and gave him this encouraging word to remain true to God's word. And according to Jesus here, he did a pretty dang good job, right? According to Jesus' words here, Timothy and the church in Ephesus remained true to the teachings of Jesus Christ. We should continue as a church, we should continue as Cornerstone Christian Church to strive towards this goal to guard and protect the truth of the gospel and allow God's word, his inspired word, to move us forward. Let's move to the rebuke. Let's move to the part that had to be difficult for the Ephesian church to hear. The community, we're told, had forsaken her first love. 
Now that line is incredibly difficult to interpret, right? And I think in order to understand what the first love is in the Ephesian church, we got to go back to when the Ephesian church was mentioned in Acts. We got to go back to the book of Ephesians and see what what inspired that church. What was it about that church that really spoke volumes of who they were? The lampstand, if you will. There's a beautiful goodbye conversation in Paul's letter. I'm sorry, in Acts. It's a goodbye from the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. And while Paul is having this conversation with the elders, and while the elders are having a conversation with them, Paul reminds them that he preached the gospel, and he did so free of charge. And I think that highlights, once again, that Ephesus was committed to the word of God. But look what Paul says in 20 and verse 35. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, what? We must help the weak. Remembering the Lord Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And so something the Ephesian church must have been very well known for was helping the poor, was helping the weak, to helping the needy. And then if you look at Paul's opening remarks to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.15, mind you, when Paul opened his letters, he usually took some time to encourage the church, much like we see Jesus doing here, saying, this is what you do well. In verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, we've already talked about that, right? They committed themselves to God's word. And for your love for all God's people. There are two things the Ephesians did incredibly well. Faith and love. They believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. They placed their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They held fast to the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they loved fervently. They fervently cared for the weak. They fervently loved the people of God and their community. And I think Jesus is rebuking the community for losing their zeal to love. I think that's what happens when a church knows all the right stuff but no longer cares for people. And what happens? They lose their lamp. I'm glad Richard is here this morning. He doesn't know I'm going to tell this story. I usually run it by folks, but I've been sick. That's my excuse. Richard Gardner first introduced Jessica and I to Bower Field. Anybody heard of Bower Field? Now, Eli was playing t-ball at the time, and we were ready to move him up, and Charlie was ready to start t-ball. We weren't happy with the field we were playing at, and so we decided we are going to give Bower Field a shot for baseball. The fees were higher, 
And I tell you that because we were shocked to learn that Bauer Field also expected their participants to show up every once in a while for work days, right? So I pay a higher fee. It's a county park, so my taxes are paying for it. And I got to show up and paint. Uh, pass. I pay money. Why is it not catering to me? I'm not going to recruit for it. I'm not going to paint the dugouts, and I'm certainly not going to volunteer. Teach my kids baseball, and we'll show up for the games. Amen? <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed, to be honest with you, about my attitude towards Bauer Field. I probably should have realized that it was a training ground for young people and maybe showed a little love. And I'm embarrassed because as I prepare for the sermon, I realized that my bad attitude, bad attitude is similar to how many folks practice church. It's consumer-driven, right? It's not people-driven. And as long as you meet my needs, I'm not going to go anywhere else. That's why it's so very important for us to see the vision of the local community. If we have vision and if we have purpose, maybe we'd be a lot more like Richard Gardner and be over there painting dugouts. Maybe if we have vision and purpose in the church, we won't lose our lampstand. Because church isn't just about good teaching and a comfortable atmosphere. We have to fervently love one another and care for those in need. If we miss that, we've missed it. And our lampstand will be taken away. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be preaching on what I believe is who we are by the testimonies of those lives that have been changed along the way, by the truth of the gospel, I'd like to start with what it means to love. My wife Jessica recently gave a talk about mental health going into the new year. She suggested that we should not make New Year's resolutions. She said studies have shown that approximately 80% of resolutions fail. So why are we setting ourselves up for failure? Instead, she suggested that we change the word resolution to focus. What would you like your focus to be in 2022? Maybe it could be mindfulness. Maybe your focus could be kindness or connection. A lot of folks make their focus their health or just peace. But for Cornerstone, will you make your focus love? How can you love this community better? How can you love your neighbor better? How can you love your coworkers or your classmates better? I would love to see our community striving to be centered on living like Jesus in our city. Therefore, we need to hold fast to his teachings and 
live like he did. Jesus lived a life of love. He even said in John 15, 13, the greater love has no one than this, that he lay down one's life for a friend. That's love. And as we approach communion, isn't that the love that we focus on? We focus on a body that was broken. We focus on blood that was shed. And it should inspire us to have a body broken for our loved ones. Blood shed for our neighbors. Let's have our focus this year be love. The song that we're going to sing next is How Great Is Our God, and He is great. He is powerful. And He shows His greatness in many different ways, but one specific way is listed in verse 2 when He says, When I think that God, His Son, not sparing, He sent Him to die. I I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. He bled and died to take away my sin.